church, let's pray. Yes, God, there's nothing that can wash away our sin other than the blood of Jesus. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that you would give your life for ours. Lord, that you would love us so much that you would do that for us. God, I pray that you would help us to live a life that just reflects that gratitude that we have. Lord, would you dispel any doubts, Lord, any fears that we may have. Lord, may we surrender fully to you. Lord, may we just live our lives grateful in awe and wonder of who you are and what you've done for us. Amen. Church, please have your seats. Well, thanks for having me, guys. It's fantastic to be out here in Bray Park with you all. Um, and my goodness, this pulpit is an experience, isn't it? I feel like um, John Piper or something. Um, it's huge. We've got lots of. Do you like this, Adam? This is. I love it. It's heaps of room here. It's fantastic. Well, let me pray, and then we're going to dive into our scripture tonight. Uh, for those of you who have Bibles, um, we're going to be looking at Psalm eight. So. Um, So if you want to just flick to Psalm 8, we're going to be resting there for tonight. Let's pray. Uh, Father, as we come to read your word and study it, Holy Spirit, would you fill our hearts, would you fill this place that we might be able to uh, understand, that our eyes might be open, that our hearts might be soft, that we might be able to understand your word uh, and, and apply it in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So yeah, we're in Psalm 8, um, so please open that up or open it up on your devices, your phone, your iPad, whatever you might have. A.W. Tozer in his book, The Pursuit of God, said this. He said, the world is perishing for lack of the knowledge of God, and the church is famishing for want of his presence. Would you agree with that? What do you think of that statement? Would you, would you say amen to that or, or does that feel a little bit uh, odd to you? I think in every heart there's this deep-seated desire to stand or, or to kneel in the presence of a, of a holy, of, of a glorious God. Why? Because we were made by a holy and a, and a glorious God and we were made for Him. And as you, as you stop and, and you observe the world and, and the kinds of decisions that our nation is making uh, at this time, as we, as we push God further and further out of the picture, you have to wonder, don't you? You have to wonder, are we pushing away the one thing that we need most? Are we pushing away something that, something that we are starving for? And in response, as, as well-meaning Christians and churches try to emphasize certain aspects of God over others in order to try and make Him more attractive to the world, are we, are we diminishing Him and denying, and, and, and denying the world, the, the, the whole character, the whole nature of God and, and making Him, him small and boring and 
and impotent as we do. You know, showing them a God, showing the world a God that, at the end of the day, just isn't worthy of praise, isn't worthy of worship, isn't worthy of glory. This psalm that we're going to look at tonight is, is certainly, I think, a response to these things. Psalm 8, I think, does two things. Firstly, it calls us, the readers, to lift our eyes once more to, to the brilliant glory of God. And in so doing, it addresses the second thing that society is, is, I think, stumbling over quite a lot right now. It tells us that humanity has a unique dignity and glory as well. Isn't that a strange thing to hear in this day and age? That humanity has a, has a unique dignity and glory as well. And this is something that even Christians, you know, can, can so easily betray, can so easily misunderstand as we, as we get on this quest to be, to be humble. As, as great as it is to be humble, we, we misunderstand what that means. And so we think lower of ourselves and, and we diminish our own glory as, as, as God's most prized, most treasured creation. Well, let's get into this passage tonight. Read verse 1 with me. This is a psalm of David and he says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory, uh, your glory, excuse me, above the heavens. This is David. Can you, can you remember what David used to do before he became the great king of Israel? You know, you can almost imagine him recalling the times when as a young shepherd boy out in the wilderness, he would look up at the night sky and just drop his jaw in awe and wonder, can't you? And it's so easy for us, you know, this day and age to be desensitized to the wonder of creation, to the wonder of it all. Perhaps, perhaps more so as adults here tonight. Maybe, maybe whether, whether it's because we think that science is sort of demystifying everything, you know, it has all the answers, it explains away the beauty. Or maybe, on the other hand, we might, we might have had quite a, a, a tough life, you know, we've had hard life experiences, you know, and, and people, people tend to lose their sense of awe at what's around them. And maybe it's one of the reasons David seems to have such a high regard for children here in this psalm. Check out verse 2 with me. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes. And still the enemy and the avenger. Out of the mouth of babies and infants. Other translations use the word children. Do children still possess an insight that many of us grown-ups have lost? Charles Spurgeon once rebuked his congregation along these similar lines. He said, how often will children tell us of a God whom we've forgotten? Is that true for, for some of us here tonight? Is that where we are? Is this us tonight? When, when you come to church, when you, when you read your Bible or, or don't, are you confronted in the indifference of your heart? As we sing praises like the songs that we just sang, are you confronted by the coldness of your heart that you've 
forgotten the glory of God. And it's, it's something we can so easily forget, isn't it? In a society that rejects God or where many Christians shrink Him down and tame Him into an image to their liking, you know, today the, the, the popular convenient God is fit for nothing more than, you know, managing the weather and saving a car park at Westfield, right? As I said, not worthy of glory, not worthy of praise, not worthy of our worship. Now, if this has been us tonight, then may, may Psalm 8, may this cause us to rise up, you know, get out of the rut and the routine that we've been living in and, and begin to take our faith, begin to take our, our big God seriously again. Because some of us, you know, we've, we've actually been yawning at God, haven't we? If we're honest. Some of us, we've been yawning at God. And, and, and we need to, we, we, we've, 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 be, we've been yawning, excuse me, we've been yawning at God because we've replaced the, the majestic lion of Scripture with a, with a domesticated kitten. You know, who, who wants a God who rules and roars, who sits enthroned and judges when we've made one who fits into our own pockets? I can tell you that I do, and, and I know that some of you here today, you're like, yes, amen. You know, I have, I have such a longing to, to know the real, the true, the, the living God, because any other God is just boring. Am I right? As the singer David Crowder put it, I'm so bored of little gods while standing on the edge of something large, we could be consumed. What a glorious day. And unfortunately, as a natural byproduct of, of shrinking God, you know, when we, when we claim to be creatures of a tame, boring God, bereft of glory, then naturally the glory of humanity, of the human life, diminishes along with him. Is that right? And so it's no wonder that a godless world or, or the Christian who follows a small g kind of God begins to think that, you know what, we're not really all that special in, in, in the universe. We're not really all that special here on earth in the grand scheme of things. My wife and I, um, Sophie, we belong to a church right on King George Square in the city. And so I often catch buses to and from the square. One evening I walked down one of these long passages towards my bus and I noticed a poster there that declared proudly, arrogantly, it said, humans are no better than any other animal. Humans are no better than any other animal. And within the context of all that we've been considering together tonight, I reacted quite strongly to this poster. 
I reacted against it. You see, as, as David continues to sort of bask in the magnitude of God in verse 3, it draws him to this significant question in verse 4. Read them with me. Verse 3. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. Here's the question. What is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him? What is man? What, what, what's, our, what's, our, what's our purpose? What, what's, our, what's our place in all of this, in, in the universe? Why, why does God choose to care for us? Why does, why does He choose to love us? You see, if God, if God does love us, as the Bible proclaims, if, if His Son Jesus really did come down to earth and, and give His all for us on the cross, then, then we cannot deny as Christians that humanity has a tremendous dignity, a, a, a unique standing above all else in the universe. Genesis 1 tells us that, you know, God spoke and, his wor- and, and, and at His word galaxies whirled into being and, and, and the, the, the stars began to rage and burn and the planets began to orbit their suns. He spoke again and life burst into existence, filling the lands and the waters and the oceans, you know, with life running, swimming, growing, multiplying. And it was good. And then rather than speaking, he stoops down in the dirt. And with his own bare hands, he begins to form something different. He begins to form and mold something in his image, in his likeness. He forms mankind. And he intimately breathes the breath of life into our nostrils. Genesis 1 verse 26 tells us, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. And he continues not to say they will be equal with all the other living creatures. They will be on par with pet puppies and kittens. No. He says, let them rule over the fish, the birds, the livestock, all creatures. It's here in the Bible that we discover mankind too, as verse 5 of Psalm 8 says, has been crowned with glory and honor. Many of us, perhaps even all of us, though, we we find that statement, that truth, just a little too hard to believe, don't we? Mankind, you and me, that we have been crowned with glory and honor. You know, and, and we, we're, we're tempted to think, you know, if humanity ever had glory, surely it has, has long since passed. Somewhere way back before hatred and jealousy came into the world, before war and cruelty, before selfishness. 
back when we were innocent, like children, before our hearts turned dark and we betrayed God and stepped out of the light. For today, we have... What have we to say for ourselves as we observe humanity, as we observe our world, as we, as we become students of history? What do we have to say for ourselves that isn't more accurate than what Paul says of humanity in Romans chapter 1? If you've got your Bibles open, flick there because I'm going to read a lengthy passage here. Romans chapter 1. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness, against all the ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, excuse me, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For the invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have clearly been perceived ever since the creation of the world. And the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God. Doesn't that, doesn't that strike a, a warning tone for us today? For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, wow. That's us, isn't it? Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in their lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. I guess with that said, I guess we're really, if we're really honest, then, then maybe as one writer put it, we're all simply glorious ruins. We've failed as image bearers of God. We've denied Him glory and, and throw, thrown ours in the mud as we've done it. Claiming that, you know, mankind is now the least of creation. And this, is, and this is where God's majesty and glory begin to shine the brightest. You see, where we may be glorious ruins, thanks be to God, Jesus is simply glorious. Amen? Though we turned our back on the light and embraced the darkness, Jesus pursued, pursues us into that darkness. The true light entered in after us. John 1 says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The story of the Gospels is that Jesus joined us here. You know, that He became one of us, lived as one of us. The glory of God incarnate in human flesh. But unlike us, he did not betray that glory. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says, Though he was tempted in every way that we are, 
He was without sin. He lived the life that we couldn't. Where, where we failed, He stood strong. And then, in order to save us, He died in our place. A, a substitute for us on the cross. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. He, 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 he jumped into the pit with us in order to, to lift us out of it. Perhaps the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And for all of us, you know, if we choose to follow and obey Jesus, to live for Him, we can be confident that you know, our sins, our mistakes, our failures are all washed away. Isaiah tells us that though our sins are like scarlet, they will be washed whiter than snow. And additionally, on top of all of that, eternity waits for us. Have you ever been one to consider eternity? Or does that mind-boggling idea just overwhelm you and you don't even really go there? I've been, I've been fascinated about this for a few years now. Eternity. What will that be like? What will heaven be like? In eternity, it, it waits for us. And there we will, we will receive a crown of glory only to lay it down at the feet of the resurrected Jesus in a, in a perfect, ceaseless form of worship, singing glory to God. And if you're here tonight and you've forgotten the glory of God, tonight is an opportunity for repentance. To, to acknowledge it. And, and to allow the Holy Spirit to renew and refresh your spirits tonight. C.S. Lewis says that there's all the difference in the world between a fire that's gone out and one that's nearly out. Is your, is your fire tonight nearly then I encourage you, you know, surrender it to the Holy Spirit and may the Holy Spirit stoke those flames anew again. And if you're not a Christian here tonight, you're just sort of exploring or maybe one of your friends has invited you along, then please consider Jesus, you know. Consider the God of the Bible who in this world where humanity is diminished, where... where God is pushed to the sidelines. Christianity tells us of a people who are worthy of their God dying for them. Let's pray. Father, as we have just studied this little chapter in Psalms, Psalm 8, Father, may our hearts, by the direction of your Holy Spirit, cause us to say, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Father, as we stand now to sing a few, couple more songs, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us individually? Would you meet with us? Some of us, Lord, we've forgotten the glory of God. We need to remember Help us to remember. 
You are a God who reminds His people all the time. Please remind us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Gary. Church, I want to invite you to stand. We're going to respond to that message in song and we're going to sing a song that just is a song about surrendering ourselves and laying down our lives to Jesus so that he can